0: Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighters Fury, inside the heart of a champion. With your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Good Sunday morning, everybody. Welcome on in. Fighters Fury here on 790, The Ticket. Big fight night last night for UFC and boxing. Busy fight night. It felt like a long fight night. I, I went I went back and I was like, man, were there a lot of decisions last night? Not really. There really wasn't a lot of decisions last night, but I don't know. It was maybe because there was so much drama. There was a lot of swings back and forth on these fights. It just felt like it was a very emotionally draining night as far as it was concerned for fight fans. I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was. I sit through some of these things. Normally, my situation is once that last UFC prelim hits, go right to the espresso maker. My Cafe Bustello is fired up. <laughs> fill up the entire coffee cup should get me through the main car. but I'm telling you like it was uh it was it was a bit of a struggle last night for for your boy Tobin as far as getting through the fights and it wasn't like it was a boring night of fights you know what I think it was I think this is what it, I think this is what it honestly was last night that Tony Ferguson Donald Cerrone fight had me so on edge it had me so on edge I was anticipating it so much and it felt like afterwards, once it was over, once it was finally done, and and the weird conclusion that it had, or the – I shouldn't say weird conclusion, the unfortunate conclusion that it had, with Cowboy getting his eyes sealed up and trying to blow his nose and not being able to really continue, uh, some controversy that was sitting there with the with the with the late punch. I, I I felt like afterwards, and they even they even treated it like a main event, like the way. Bruce Buffer was introducing them, like he was putting extra emphasis on this stuff. It was strange. It had this weird feel, like they wanted that to be the main event. It's often been dubbed as the, uh, you know, the, the people's main event. Everybody's throwing that out there, which is an appropriate title. I think out of all the fights, this is the one most UFC fans were looking forward to the most. And then you get to the after party, and it's like, oh, yeah, we have two championship fights after that. I think that's probably why I had that feeling afterwards. And mind you, they were two thrilling fights afterwards. I'm not trying to say that those two title fights were stinkers, but I can't sit here and tell you that I was as excited for Valentina Shevchenko, Jessica I, or Henry Cejudo, Marlon Morais as much as I was for Cowboy vs. Tony. It just it, it wasn't the case. Not even Triple G. And then you sprinkled some Triple G in there as well, which shout out to Triple G. Ch- Triple G's a pro's pro for a multi-combat sports fan because he got that fight done during that Petey, Peter Peter Jimmy Rivera fight, lickety split four rounds, boom over. Go go back to your UFC. Shout out to Triple G last night. We'll touch on his fight in a, in a little bit later. But yeah, it just felt felt like the uh, the pace. I don't know if anybody else felt this last night as far as what was going uh, about what was going on, man. But that was uh, that was how that was how I experienced last night. So I want to start with Tony Ferguson versus Cowboy Cerrone because I do feel like it was the highest profile fight and to me the most interesting as far as where things go from here because with henry cejudo you know first of all <laughs> uh joe rogan and dana white for that matter afterwards you you would have thought he was a dead man the The way they thought he came back on the fight it was a good comeback from henry cejudo don't you know don't try and uh mishear what I'm saying it was very impressive uh his leg was gnawed up and knowing the fact now that he went through a a high ankle sprain um very impressive very impressive but man it was like Joe's like I've, I've never seen anybody come back like this like you haven't I feel like we see this all the time and he was like man he was he was uh he, he was on death's door there and all of a sudden came back and won this fight I think it, what you have to be impressed with with Henry was just the kind of the kind of switch that he hit as far as bringing the fight to Marlon uh and then just uh Valentina Shevchenko's knockout uh I gotta be honest with you it was one of the scariest it was one of the scariest head kick knockouts I've ever seen in my life I don't know if it was because it happened to Jessica I and um she was flatlined that long but man the sound the sound was haunting with Valentina with what she did to Jessica I it really was it really really was but Tony Ferguson versus Cowboy Cerrone. First of all, they're in the best division in the sport, 155 pounds. So, you know, if if you want to talk about with boxing, there's a lot of buzz right now with the heavyweight division. There's always been now probably for the last 10 years over the welterweight division, 147. Um, 155 is where it's at. I think that there's no, no doubt, bar none, they have the biggest star in the sport with Conor McGregor. It's got the best fighters. It's got the fighters that really have biggest win streaks most talented best personalities 155 is where it's at 170 probably a close second and tony versus cowboy first of all surprising fight to get it was a surprising fight to get because cowboy had just won five weeks ago and he's taking on a guy in tony ferguson who had some weird mental stuff that was going on where we didn't know if he was going to fight for a long time um he had the the incredible showing of heart against anthony pettis where he was nine months removed from that knee getting torn up and his and him losing his interim belt via injury. And for for Tony, you know there was this is a this is a fight against Cowboy where like you know if I'm Tony Ferguson and I'm fighting Cowboy Cerrone who's on a on a hot streak, there's a lot at risk there. You know this guy is as good as it gets. He's got more wins in the UFC than anybody. Yesterday is more uh, tied for the most fights in UFC history. And. You know, if you lose this fight, they're just trying. It seems like they're just trying to oust you from the title picture. Even with the aftermath yesterday, with how they were like, there there were reports afterwards that Dana was looking to book a a, a rematch for Cowboy versus Tony. And I, I mean, okay, this is the, this is the one thing I would say with that fight yesterday, because it was very strange in the follow up, how angry the crowd was. And how much they were booing, and I think it had it had something to do with the late shot that Tony hit. It was a very blatant late shot at the end of that second round, and so I don't know if it felt worse in the building than it did watching it on television because it was a bad it was a bad late shot. It was a bad late shot, um, but it wasn't what broke Donald Cerrone's nose. It isn't what broke his orbital bone. It was just a bad look for Tony, but it was a fight. He was it was a round. He was dominating, not quite 10-8 level, but if he would have put him on the canvas, probably he was really busting him up bad. And I gotta tell you, fully admit, whiffed on the prediction of this fight. Cause here's what I thought. I thought in this fight that the the two things you could say about these guys is. You don't. If you're going to get to Cowboy, you typically want to get to him early. And for Tony, Tony's a bit of a slow starter. And I thought for the paces in their careers of fighting, this is a bit of a tough matchup for Tony. Donald does seem like he's in a bit of a zone right now. We don't quite know where Tony's at mentally. Um, it just. It, I thought it was going to line up for for Donald Cerrone to come in there put some work on tony early and maybe find one of them crazy head kick ko's but what ended up happening was tony just reiterating he's an absolute assassin zombie like it's it's crazy taking that guy on where you throw a lot of stuff at him and donald was hitting with some good stuff in the first round stuff that would have messed up a lot of people tony just doesn't affect him like he he, he brushes it aside and he just keeps coming forward and he keeps putting that damage on you Uh, It's got to be demoralizing, even for an absolute warrior like Donald Cerrone, an absolute Hall of Famer. And I know that people – I got some of this last night on Instagram Live where people were saying, ah, this is typical cowboy. He he chokes when the chips are on the table. It's like, man, the fact that he gets to the table so many times and you want to call him a choker, it's it's a tough sell for me. He's also been in the toughest division of all time. And also, he's in – He's in there with maybe the guy who's the best 155 on the planet. He doesn't have a belt to prove it right now because his knee got torn up and he never got to defend his interim title against Khabib, but that, that might be the guy right there. It really might be. And the one thing we could say about 155, it, it's been a little bit messed up, and for right now it, it feels like Khabib is the undisputed guy because he choked out Conor McGregor. But I think for a lot of people who have watched this sport, we've felt that Khabib versus Tony's the fight. Like that's 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 the fans' fight. That's the people's fight. That's what we've wanted to see now forever. It's 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 been it's been so bad the fact that it's been cursed and it's been ruined and has been lost on. Bad weight cuts and injuries and misfortune and all of this stuff. And so the fact that we've never gotten that matchup, you're kind of just left with this whole, it's like, yeah, well, I mean, Khabib's got the, the belts right now. And, I mean, he is undefeated and he, he, did, he did beat the most famous guy. But I still don't know if he's the best. I really don't. And that's not to take away from what's coming up. It was announced this week that UFC 242 is coming up. Uh, Dustin Poirier versus Khabib, and Lord knows I can't wait for that fight. You guys know I'm a huge fan of Dustin Poirier. Um, he's so well-rounded. He's so he's he's so devastating. I think out of all of these guys, uh, might have the best boxing out of anybody. He, too, is an absolute savage like Tony Ferguson. It's just there's not that hit. There, the one thing you can say that's a miss with, with Dustin and Khabib is, dustin earned that shot and he absolutely deserves to be there he got the interim title and he beat one of the best fighters on the planet to get to that point of beating max holloway but i i don't think there's a ufc fan alive that doesn't look at tony versus khabib and say i got to i gotta get that fight sometime in my lifetime i have to It's it's gonna feel incomplete if we don't if we never got that matchup it would just be a big gaping hole. More so than a Conor rematch, you know. More so than Habib taking on GSP or whatever. I understand they've tried to make it a bunch of times, but that fight has to happen. It has to. There's no doubt. There's no. There's no question or qualms about it. The only thing that's unfortunate for Tony is his timing. You know, like, and things that are out of his hand is that he's he had the knee injury, which put him on the shelf which obviously set up for us never getting him versus uh, Khabib that time. Before that, it was Khabib's terrible weight cut where you know, it was alleged that he had tiramisu and his liver was shutting down and things were going bad that way. And then Conor returns, and when Conor returns, Connor's going to get a title shot. That's just kind of how it goes. And now we're at the spot where, because he was going through all the mental stuff that he was, he turned down the Max Holloway interim fight Dustin took advantage of it, and Dustin has the golden ticket. He is Willy Wonka right now. He gets the shot, and so I'm excited for Dustin, and he deserves that fight against Khabib. I'm not saying that he doesn't. And there's not a guy, uh, a, 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 there's not a guy who who needs that probably more than Dustin because, you know, in in a in a in a, in a division like this, it's it's so hard to stand out and get people behind. You. It's like yeah yeah yeah. By the way. I have been pretty unstoppable since I've come to this absolute gauntlet of a division. giving me my title shot. I deserve it. And that's why his story and him beating Max Holly was so great because of all the gimmicks and all the BS and all the talking and all that stuff. Dustin was going to need something like that for him to stand out it's just the way it is. And so we're just left in this weird spot right now with 155. It's like, well, what do you do with Tony Ferguson? And... Joe Rogan said on the broadcast last night, well, you do a rematch with Donald Cerrone. Uh, that Dana was talking about that. Dana mentioned it afterwards. Do we run it back? Look, do they run it back as a, as a main event fight? Well, what are the reasons for doing that? Is it just because you have nothing else to do with Tony and it feels like you could sell that? Do you put that on the same card? Um, This is what I would say to that. Look, it sucks that... Donald Cerrone wasn't able to continue. This is how much of a savage Donald Cerrone is. He blows his nose, his eyes swell up, and this is the funny thing. Like, everybody's like, you're a veteran fighter. You know not to do that. He can't breathe. Like, shut up with what he should know. He's trying to push the air out of his eye to try and go out there and continue. You know he would. And thank God there was a commission there to tell him No. No. Him sitting there, you know, all this stuff, Dad Cerrone and him fighting for his his little boy Danger. Hopefully Danger has a dad with two eyes that could see. His dad's one of the baddest mother bleepers on the planet. I'd like to continue to see him fight if possible. Thank God the doctor stopped him and made him go uh, and made him stop. He had a broken orbital bone. It was, it was, he had a broken nose most likely. He was getting busted up. Everybody was watching that fight and saw how Tony versus Donald was going, realized, oh, no, Tony's going to get him too. This is going to get worse for Donald, not better. Could he have come out with some Mortal Kombat KO? I I suppose there's that chance that he could Shevchenko Tony. However, he can't see. So what do you do? You're going to put him out there half blind against the guy who when he had both of his eyes in that fight, did that to him. It's just irresponsible. And while it's unfulfilling, it's a win. It's a win. If a fighter shuts another fighter's eye shut because he broke his face, that's a win. You wouldn't have thought about it if Tony broke his leg or hit him until he couldn't take it anymore or any of that stuff. But because a doctor decided, this guy can't fight anymore, you feel like there's some unknown conclusion to this. There's not. These guys fought 10 minutes. The guy who ended up with more damage on his face was Donald Cerrone. He was down on two scorecards, two rounds to none. Um, he fought good in the first round. Second round, he was getting pieced up badly. I really don't think... There's a need for a rematch here. I really don't. Will I watch this fight again? Hell yeah. I'd love to watch it again. But if we're talking about merit, if we're talking about what people in this division need to happen, do we need to have Donald Cerrone versus Tony Ferguson again? No. No, we don't. So what does Tony do here? There's only really one other option. Like, he either just waits until Dustin versus Khabib is done and hopes that Dana doesn't screw him and give Connor the winner. Or he fights Connor. And I think that should really be his only focus right now because if Tony does sit on the sidelines, and this is unfortunate, if tony does sit on the sidelines and just wait for it all to go by i feel like they're going to hose him and give the shot to connor he's got to do everything in his power to go get the connor fight and the fans need to demand it the fans need to do whatever they can because for right now he's going to be sitting in this window let's look at it the fight's not till september okay so that's in 3 months time right Realistically, Khabib versus Dustin, the winner at best should probably fight again in the end of the year. More likely than not, fight at the beginning of next year. So you would be talking about probably seven, eight months out with Tony if he was really man. The the way this 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 promotion is, the way they flip on a dime. You give Conor McGregor a fight against Justin Gaethje and he beats him, they're going to give him the title shot, man. They're not going to give it to Tony Ferguson. So he's got to take everything out of the UFC's hands because they're going to do everything they can to make sure that fight doesn't happen, whether it's a rematch against Max Holloway, whether it's a fight against Justin Gaethje or some other person that they put at 170 pounds, whether it's a trilogy with Nate Diaz, something like that. Tony's got to take it out of everybody's hands. He's got to jump at the opportunity. I know it sucks. I know he doesn't want to do that. But ultimately, we got to get down to him fighting the winner of Dustin versus Khabib. And that's it. Uh, And another thing. Before before I wrap up this whole 155 talk. If the UFC pulls some kind of uh, screw job here with these interim titles and they decide to yank Dustin off that fight because you can't put it past him if they decide to yank Dustin off that fight because of whatever and they put Tony there just get rid of interim belts all to begin with because they don't mean anything I can't put it past him and I don't think they're gonna do it because I think that in a weird way I think as a promotion they think that Khabib has a better chance against Dustin than he probably does against Tony because Every time we watch this guy go out there, you think, like, yeah, this is the guy. If you want to talk about a guy who's going to figure out Khabib, Tony's the guy because he just never stops coming forward. Khabib's a guy who never stops coming forward, but Tony is really the guy who never stops coming forward. He has striking. He breaks your face. He has unbelievable submission game. He's a wrestler. That's his pedigree. You know, he's got the whole toolbox. With Dustin... Dustin's got better boxing than Tony. He's got better striking than Tony. He's had more devastating knockouts than Tony. Uh, he's also been in there with some serious wars. He's also got good submission game. He's been in there with the best of the best. Um, you know, is his is his crazy zombie factor better? Is is fighting guys that maybe not quite, but he does he does bring a lot of the toolbox in that could be fight. But he's got to fight that fight. There's none. There can't be any more of this, uh, oops, no, we we, we forget it. You've, you've made your hierarchy. You decided Dustin was going to get to fight for an interim title. Maybe you thought that Max Holloway was going to beat him. You were wrong on that. So the victor gets to go fight for the undisputed title, and that's it. And then Tony should fight the winner of it. But if I were Tony, I would do everything I can to get Conor McGregor into an octagon. One, I think Tony would destroy him. I really do. I, I genuinely think a guy with that mentality – With how Conor's been the last time we saw him in an octagon. I think that's bad news for Conor McGregor. I really, really do. And I think Tony knows that. And maybe Conor even knows that. I don't know. But if I were Tony, I'd leave every chance I could that Conor could swoop in like a vulture and take my title shot. I would go fight him. I would leave all doubt. And then they'd have to give you the title shot. So basically what I'm saying is, they should put Tony versus Connor on another pay-per-view or put him on that same card. Um, I know Connor's probably not going to love the fact that he's a co-main event, but he's not a champion right now. So what do you do? You're going to put him on a fight night. Um, If they do want to just have as a main event fight, obviously that'll sell on pay-per-view and they just say, this is for the shot at the title. Cool. That's fine too. But he needs to fight in like October. And then the follow-up needs to be, you know, whoever comes out of these the winner unless the title fight is an absolute classic and controversial that we have to see again the next fight is for the title so that is uh that is the big storyline out of yesterday we'll continue getting into the rest of what went down yesterday at ufc 238 triple g's fight and everything that falls out from that we'll be back after this it's fighters fury on am 790 the ticket all right welcome back everybody Tobin here with you. Texter writes in uh, that why are we mentioning more about the uh, the Tony hit, late hit on Cowboy Cerrone? And I just mentioned to the texture, I said I asked him if he thought it really mattered in the result. He was busted up already. Like it would have been loss of a point at worst if his eye wasn't already shut. Um. So he responds and says, "Not on the cards for that round." Tony mauled him in the second, but if Cody, uh, Cowboy's nose wasn't broken before that, it definitely was after. I don't think I, I don't think it was. I, I I think I think he was pretty busted up afterwards. It was it look it, it was rough. Excuse me, it was rough. Um, if if that look Tony would have been in a bad spot if that would have you know knocked Cowboy down or done something like that where it it seemed like he really inflicted some serious damage. I just think he was messed up already from it. So it's just unfortunate it ends that way. But I don't think it really had anything to do with the ending. I really don't. I think it had more to do with he was already messed up, Cowboy was trying to breathe, blew up his eye, trying to fix his eye and all that stuff. And I think that, you know, if his phase was a little bit clearer, if, if, if they wanted to go super extreme on it, something like that's probably, like, Mergliata could have taken a point away and that's probably the appropriate punishment for a late shot like that if he did it again because he goes hard warning and i think i think dan is a a vet of the game and he knows what's on the line there um it was possible that he didn't want to screw tony out of a out of a, a clear win round because of a mistake a bad mistake but a mistake and you know, he would have ended up being okay because on two of the cards, he was already up to nothing at that point. But if he wasn't, if that was, you know, like one judge had at nineteen nineteen, well, now you're at a position where Tony's still down a point and maybe we end up in a draw if they continue to go around. So that's all I'm saying from that. Um, as far as the rest of the card's concerned, uh, Henry Cejudo, he got the win over Marlon mirais third round. This is what I'll say about Henry because I thought a lot of you know they were really trying to sauce up Henry afterwards especially Rogan about the comeback that he had the one thing we can say about Henry is his I I didn't think that Henry Cejudo was gonna get here I'll be honest with you man like when he lost to Mighty Mouse the way he did I didn't think the striking was ever gonna get up to snuff I thought the guy was you know I thought he was just gonna be stuck in this in this way where he was gonna be a good member of the flyweight division and they were gonna credit that gold medal thing a lot but I didn't think He'd ever be able to beat Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, and now the fact that he has a win over Mighty Mouse, you know, he beat a guy in in T.J. Dillashaw who was, you know, dope to the high hills and was one of the better bantamweight champions and we've had, and knocked that dude out in a, you know, a, a fight at flyweight, and now is beating Marlon Morris, who was the, you know, clear number one one thirty five. I mean, this guy is, bar none, the best little fighter on the planet. He really is. Uh you wanna call it pound for pound, whatever you want to say. His fortitude to get through that, that that ankle injury, the uh the the kind of wherewithal he had, there wasn't really any moves to go take down. I mean he went out there and he was getting pieced up. Morais was really trying to chop down the tree and he wouldn't allow it. He went forward, he was inflicting damage and took that second championship so now he becomes the fourth to become a double champion joining uh, mcgregor amanda dc to have simultaneous championships and you know there's talk about is he gonna uh is he gonna do the double defense i look i don't know what this whole thing is with the double defense thing you know in boxing normally when a guy moves up in weight to go get his championship that's it like this idea that well they should just defend both titles it's like, well why 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 should it I get the only really reason you could say that is if he goes down to fly weight, it keeps it alive a little bit and has some intrigue, you know he said afterwards he wants to fight Dominic Cruz, Uriah Faber, Cody Garbrandt, and those are definitely the most three those are definitely the three most recognizable names at one thirty five right now. Uriah Faber doesn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense right now um. He's just making his comeback. I mean, other than you just have a UFC Hall of Famer and, you know, Uriah Faber's going to try and fight for the belt yet again. Uh, Dominic Cruz. I think you could definitely talk people into Dominic Cruz. Um, Never beaten that soundly other than the Cody Garbrandt fight. So I think you could do that. He just hasn't been fighting so much lately. Um, You know, but then you go to like 125, It's one of those things where I think it's probably best for Henry to just move on from the flyweight stuff at this point and just be the 135 champion because the way I look at it right now is you have another simultaneous champion really active, and that's Amanda. But the difference with Amanda Nunes is her being the 145-town champion, what that really means is she knocked out Cyborg. It's like the Cyborg belt. You knocked out the, the only woman who probably had claimed to be a better female fighter than you. You knocked her out. There's not really a need for Amanda to go and defend because there's only one person for her to defend it against, and that's Cyborg, and she already destroyed her. So unless people think that's going to be a huge moneymaker, I really don't see the point in Amanda going to fight 145 pounds because there's not a 145-pound division. They don't even have rankings for it. They don't have a roster for it. It's fake. It doesn't mean anything. What that fight meant was the world. It solidified Amanda Nunez as the greatest women's fighter of all time. So the fight and the win of that title, the significance of that belt is tremendous. But her being the 145-pound champion doesn't mean a whole hell of a lot. There's no need for her to go to defend both belts. She needs to go to 135 because that's where there's actual fighters. And with Henry, you know, he's beaten the best already at 125 pounds. He has taken on a 135-pound champion and beat him at 125 pounds. He's kind of done all there is to do there of interest and of note. So this idea that he has this hit list of the quote-unquote bantamweight greats, I like that idea. I like him clearing all doubt. I don't really see a need, and if you are gonna have 125, why not put this fresh coat of paint on it and just say, you know, 125 pound. I know you don't love tournaments, but some kind of round robin to get that kind of going again, and just let Henry go and defend because you already done what you could do. You've done the photo ops. He's got the two belts. You got to do the press conference, and now it's time to move on, man. Go see if you can become that four, that uh, that that three division champion because. Look, there's no simultaneous need for it. Nobody's done it, so just go try and do it. I don't know if he can, but let's see it. I mean, him versus uh, Max Holloway would be a hell of a weird fight, but let's have some fun, man. Let's go figure this thing out. As far as, um, as far as Valentina Shevchenko's knockout of Jessica I, look, that was unbelievable. That that was so devastating I didn't know Jessica guy was gonna get up like sometimes you have these questions about uh, how like is a person gonna actually be able to consciously think after taking a shot like that and it was it was that kind of violent it was that kind of violent with what Valentina did so just an absolutely great knockout for her and huge for her I think that's gonna be big for her as far as her claim because look she has two very close losses to amanda um and i think if you build up her star that legit can be a fight again i don't know if amanda's gonna want it because amanda seems like she's almost on the back end her career may wrap up but it it goes two ways one Valentina's star continues to shine you could talk people into doing a third fight again if if it doesn't if if amanda does get out after a couple of fights she does holly she does cyborg again then she's done Valentina very clearly right now is the leader in the clubhouse to be the face of women's mixed martial arts and so it's going to be hard because I don't know Valentina is ever going to get that that chance to get something as significant as knocking out Ronda Rousey and Chris Cyborg to put forth all doubt of being the greatest woman's fighter of all time and if she never fights a man again she'll never be able to get that status but look there needs to be somebody else. There needs to be, the story needs to continue. That that card last night was held up by a lot of great women's fighters. Like they, you know, Valentina's fight, Tatiana versus Nina uh, Ansaroff was a great fight. Uh, in, the, in the prelims, uh, Jan versus Angela Hill, another great fight. There was a lot of great action that these women put forth yesterday. So there needs to be a standard bearer if Amanda's run is coming to an end soon. And right now that looks like it is valentina shevchenko we're back after this it's fighters fury on am 790 the ticket ah yes welcome back everybody thank you for tuning in to fighters fury coming up next week we got a couple things coming up next week we got bellator from madison square garden madison square garden's had a busy three weeks i know they said this on the zone broadcast last night that it was uh not as packed, and not as eventful, uh, of an atmosphere as it was with the Triple G fight and and AJ coming over. I think that probably has a couple things to do. One, no British fans to really come over. Um, they're probably the most vocal, boisterous crowd in combat sports, maybe other than like the Irish. Um, but I think that probably has something to do with it. And then doing back to back, doing back to back boxing match. That's a that's a tough sell for Madison Square Garden, man. So the fact that you had Triple G there and back to back weeks. It's a little bit odd uh, that they wouldn't try and put that on another coast or somewhere else. But you know, either way, the whole point of it was to uh, was was to show Triple G's de- debut on the zone and and see if he could get a big time knockout, which he was successful in. And we'll get to that in a second. But next week, you have Bellator at Madison Square Garden. Rory McDonald's taking on Damon Gracie. This is one that is going to be interesting because Rory is coming off that weird post fight interview after John Fitch and some people thought that he lost to John Fitch um wasn't a great performance by him but John Fitch will make you will make it look ugly on you and Rory's been doing this forever as as much as he's not an old an old head in this game yet he's been doing it forever since he was a kid he's really kind of like one of the first young kids to come up and train mixed martial arts and get to this kind of level and so you know there was talk that he just didn't know if he wanted to hurt anybody anymore he's in a big religious uh spiritual finding and so he doesn't feel like that's his calling anymore to hurt people and you know we'll, we'll see if he's gotten through that but he is still the champion and still in this welterweight grand prix so i'm very curious to see what kind of Roy mcdonald shows up next week chel sonnen is going to be fighting uh leota machida as chel kind of continues his take on the x ufc legends tour um you know, here's some of Chael's podcast, like he knows this is a very tough style to take on. I don't know, like, this is the one thing I've said about the, the Bellator model. I do feel like they've run a little bit thin on these quote unquote legends fights. And so Chael's always going to bring an audience, and he's a great ambassador for the sport now as far as a guy who could talk. And he's very good at lifting up the young guys while he is at these press conferences, and he's not trying to do the Chael Sonnen gimmick, but. I could say, like, out of all these chale fights that they've had since having him under the Bellator umbrella, this one is just, like, not really resonating with me because they don't know where it goes either way. If he gets this win, do they talk about doing the Bader fight? Him and Bader have had some heat. Unclear. But for me, it feels like Bellator is is kind of coming to the end of the rope when it comes to these ex-UFC legends types of of uh, of acts that they've had whether it be tito or rampage or any of that stuff uh, but i'll always watch jail sudden fight i always enjoy it for the locals you can probably tune into this on the zone it was announced this week and i was a little surprised by this this was uh this was kind of a late addition to it valerie lareda the pride of the 305 uh trains over at american top team She is from miami she had the great miami shout out after her last win when she won her you her bellator debut she's gonna be taking on larkin dash and her second Bellator fight. So this will be interesting. It's a nice little uh, local time if you're looking for something to look forward to. It's on the prelims for next week. So you have uh somebody from Miami to root for there and she's taking on this Larkin Dash who announced her fight from Hooters. She was in her Hooters outfit signing her bout agreement. So that went a little bit viral and um I know everyone's going to look at this and say, well, Valerie's taking on you know, a person who's a waitress. Look, you guys got to realize, and this is uh, something that I've talked with Scott Coker about and talked with Valerie when we had her in studio, that this is the interesting thing with this DAZN deal and, and having all these young fighters that they have really start their Bellator careers from the jump with them. And you don't always take on the killers early on in your career. You know, there's usually... A bit of a buildup. So, Valerie taking on a, a Hooters waitress. Look, these fighters who are training in the beginning of their careers, they're not making big money. They got to make ends meet. So, I hope it doesn't get you know crapped on too much. So, have that to look forward to. Dylan Danis, who of course is famous for being McGregor's jujitsu coach, he is going to be fighting Max Humphrey in his second Bellator fight. Aaron Pico is going to be on this card. Heather Hardy is going to be on this card. So. A lot of recognizable uh, names and and, uh, newer faces on this Bellator card for next week. And then next week we also have Tyson Fury who's taking on Tom Schwartz in a a 12-round affair in Las Vegas. This is Tyson Fury's ESPN debut and why he's not fighting Deontay Wilder. Uh, The only thing I would say to look forward to with this one is we got to make sure we don't have a Ruiz situation because Tyson Fury is scheduled to fight Deontay Wilder what seems like sometime in December. Obviously, Anthony Joshua and the negotiations with uh, Andrew Ruiz are underway for the rematch of that fight. But Tyson Fury was uh, doing a lot of media rounds this week, and uh, he was on Sedano's show, and it was, was actually pretty funny when it came to the whole Anthony Joshua thing where he says, would you imagine getting knocked out by someone that would never show my face in public like that again? Uh, which was interesting because... He was so damn classy in the aftermath, the immediate aftermath of it. But I thought that was funny to see kind of vintage Tyson Fury come out and, uh, and 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 bring that bad guy image again. So I don't really know what Tyson Fury can get out of this fight from most boxing fans' perspective of laying claim that he's the actual guy other than, you know, maybe he stops Tom Schwartz and, and lets people know that he's here to you know restore order and stuff like that and 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 take out all these people he's not going to take anybody lightly stuff like that but um look man this is one of the better heavyweights on the planet his boxing skill is outstanding uh if he doesn't overlook he should be able to uh should be able to take care of business pretty easily upcoming next week but you don't want to ever take anything like that too crazy like we did with anthony joshua and, and uh and andy ruiz Last night on zone, as we were mentioned in the start of the segment, so Gennady Golovkin, he was taking on Steve Rolls. This was his DAZN debut. He signed a big contract with them. And, you know, some people looked at this performance and thought, you know, he was getting touched up a little bit, that Gennady was, uh, was allowing himself to get hit. This is what I'll say. You know, this happens a lot with offensive fighters. Guys who come forward and guys who are going to be looking for the knockout, they're going to get hit. Um, Not everybody goes out there like uh, a Floyd Mayweather or Bernard Hopkins and makes their opponent look ugly and are tying them up to not get hit and and get them with, uh, with counter pot shots and rack of points that way. Guys who go for the dynamic knockout, a lot of the times they're going to eat some shots on the way in. And so I think that's what you saw from Gennady really no panic i didn't i felt like he was landing the crisper stuff there were a couple awkward shots that made his head snap back but didn't really feel like he was in a lot of danger and brian kenny actually i I think made a good point where he's just like you know sometimes you give guys rounds because you weren't expecting how well they were going to perform and he's right about that like it's, it's 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 like it's it's curve grading you grade these guys uh it's curve scoring like you grade these guys on a curve and so Oh, Steve Rolls performed a lot better than I thought he would. I'm gonna give him that round. Or that happens in the midst of a fight where a fight is going so one way. Like let's for example, let's just say Gennady Golovkin was dominating for six rounds. And then the seventh round, maybe he took off a little bit, or he, he let up a little bit, and Steve Rolls looked like he was mustering a comeback, then you'll give that round to Steve Rolls. So I think that's probably what happened if you were if you gave Steve Rolls a round, but for the most part Gennetti seemed in control the whole time. And this keeps getting bright up. Like, oh, is, is he diminished? Look, he's 37. He should be diminished. He should be a guy who's not the same that he was when he was 30. Um, is he still one of those middleweights on the planet? Very clearly. Very clearly that that he is. The interesting thing that comes out of this is he calls out Canelo afterwards for the trilogy fight, and he has a draw and a loss on his record. And that's a, that's a huge bummer for Gennady because... You know, he thinks he won both fights. The second fight, definitely an argument for Canelo to win that fight. Uh, the first fight, pretty hard to argue that Canelo won that fight. So he's left in this weird spot where he's got no wins over Canelo, and yet somehow has to convince a guy to fight him for a third time. I don't think it's, it's hard from Canelo's standpoint because Canelo fights anybody. Canelo is, is one of those rare superstars where it's hard to look at his resume and say he's ducked anyone. He's taken on hard fights. So much so that there's there's a lot of fights you can look to on Canelo's career and say, mm, he didn't win that fight. Or e- even though he got his arm raged, uh, he 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 got the nod there because he's the A side. Whether it was Lara, whether it was the Triple G fights, Austin Trout, fights like that where very tough matchups for him and he didn't shy away from it. And obviously taking on Floyd Mayweather so early on in his career and really one of the best displays we've seen. Probably Probably I would say the best performance we've seen from Floyd Mayweather uh, on the on the, on the the back end of his career. And that's just how Canelo fights. So it's interesting when I hear Oscar de la Hoya tweet out, come back, win, now fight a real fighter, win a belt, and I'll consider doing a third fight. Hashtag Canelo is your boss. Which is a cute thing for Oscar de la Hoya to say. And yes, Canelo Alvarez does have a huge, huge contract and is the most famous fighter on DAZN's roster. This is the one thing I would say, though. The zone is really really calling a lot of shots here they really are and if they want that third fight to happen in September it's gonna happen this is an Oscar de la Hoya call and it's not really gonna be a Canelo call Canelo signed a 300 plus million dollar contract with them and when you sign that kind of a contract you're gonna probably do what your boss says or your network says for example we have this andy ruiz anthony joshua rematch and in the very quick aftermath anthony joshua and his promoter were saying oh no no no, we're gonna do it in in britain that's what the rematch clause says and the zone you could already see them putting the pressure on and they're saying "No, no 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 we don't want our subscription service out to america being at four in the afternoon five in the afternoon we want this in prime time we want a lot of people subscribing and this is a company that's already doubled their monthly subscription price to their audience. So they're doing everything they can to bring that groundswell of American eyeballs to boxing. And from that standpoint, they're, gonna do, they're, gonna, they're going to make Anthony Joshua do the fight over here again. You got to already tell yesterday because they had this long feature interview with Eddie Hearn, and Eddie Hearn's like, you know, well, Anthony almost wants to put all the demons to rest and do it in MSG. It's like, no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. You're being told to do the fight over Madison Square Garden. Th- those reports already came out this week. So it's a good spin that his promoter is doing that he wants to put all the demons aside. No, he doesn't. He's, he's going to be told to do the fight over here because you're not the champion anymore. And we want the fight in New York. So you're going to fight in New York. Or you could just not do the fight again. And then you're left with this big void. So that's what's going on there. And the same thing's going to happen with Canelo and Triple G. Like there was some talk that Triple G would go and fight Demetrius Andre for the WBO championship. And while that would be cool, um, I just I don't see it right now. I think right. I think in the early aftermath of, of this Triple G fight, they're going to put the pressure hard on doing the trilogy fight for Mexican Independence weekend. Uh, the second uh, the second Saturday in September. That's what's going to happen. So it's a nice story it's cool it's cool oscar it's cool eddie for you guys to go put the story on there but the guy you really want to be talking about is former espn president john skipper what that dude wants that's probably what's going to happen as far as who has the power here that guy's writing those kinds of checks to those fighters he's gonna get his way he's gonna get his way welcome back guys photos fury continues here uh thank you for downloading the podcast please subscribe Uh, If you haven't already, if you just downloaded your first episode, please subscribe, leave a review, leave a rating, all that good stuff. It helps us with the support of the podcast. You know, the execs here, they're very big into that these days. So let them know that you like the show. That's always appreciated. Thank you guys. And got a couple things here for you uh, to add on. So I found this interesting. Dana White, he came out this week, did a lot of uh, media for UFC 238. And he said that he wants to see Sage Northcutt retire, which I thought was interesting because a couple of things I found interesting about this. One, um, I don't necessarily know if he's wrong because he goes on to say that, you know, look, he's good looking. He's charismatic. He was in college to be an engineer. He's got a lot going on in his life and the sport isn't for him. I know it sounds like I'm bleeping all over the guy, but I really like the kid a lot. This isn't the sport for him. I would love to see him retire. Before he seriously gets hurt, which, let I me mean, like, he seriously did get hurt. Uh, he needs to retire. Hopefully, people will surround him, listen to what I'm saying, and get another and set this kid on another path in life. He can literally do what he wants to do. He's young, smart. Some people have to fight. Sage Northcutt doesn't have to fight. Um, I found this interesting for a couple of reasons. One, Dana picked this guy because of his looks, and he picked this guy because of his charisma, and he picked this guy because of his attitude and thought that this dude was gonna be super marketable and all that stuff and kind of you know the thing with the ufc is you gotta get thrown to the wolves immediately and you know whether or not and some people can uplift it and some people can like it i do say that with with the sage north thing you know it's interesting that he's always had the dad kind of a hovering over it almost like a stage dad when it's come to his rise and all that stuff but I do think with Sage, with the injury that he suffered at one championship, and they also wanted him to be one of the faces or just a recognizable face that was going to get beat like that. Um, you do you do wonder how somebody comes back with something, like something like that with that kind of a facial injury. Um, and knowing that every opponent that goes in there is going to try and Make you think about that injury again, so I don't think he's off in saying an injury like that or or just sage should retire um, I just find it interesting that it's just like, well, yeah, you kinda knew all this stuff though once you picked him off a reality show to be one of your stars, so it's just interesting how that flip happened with with Dana, and we mentioned this the other week with with sage like um. And that reality show is just like, you know, you go and you pick these guys and you think that because they look great as an action figure, they're going to be great fighters. And meanwhile, you might be missing a whole lot of great fighters. You might be. It just feels like it, it takes so much for people to break through that other side and convince you it's just like yesterday it's now i'm convinced that henry cejudo is the guy it's like well what does tony have to do for you to convince because cowboy's always been one of your guys because you got a cool gimmick he's cowboy but basically yeah tony is cowboy he's just a little bit screwy you know so if he was wakeboarding in the offseason like that would be different i mean he's good i don't it's 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 a it's a strange thing to know who those chosen ones are and who those ones aren't um so I found that pretty fascinating. Uh, and speaking of promoters, the other thing that I wanted to bring up from that Eddie Hearn interview with Chris Mannix, which uh, was really good, I only got through about uh, I got through like tw- probably eighteen of like the twenty-seven minutes it was before the show today, um, and I thought it was really good. So shout out to Chris Mannix, who's uh, I would say out of uh, everybody on that DAZN broadcast, I feel like he's he's far and away been doing the best. I think he's he he is. He's been really, really good, and I don't always like love his hot take stuff that he does on his podcast and whatnot. Not that I don't think that he's good at covering boxing, because I think he's an excellent writer, um, but his reporting, uh, that role that he's been doing, has been I thought I think has been the the uh, the bright spot of the whole Own broadcast so far. So shout out to him. He did a really good interview with uh, Eddie Hearn, and the interesting things. Out of this was the whole uh, fallout of the panic attack stuff because if you guys haven't been following these stories, I don't know if I've talked about it on Fighters Fury. I've been definitely talking about it on my uh, show in the afternoon. There's been rumors that AJ got knocked down and hurt badly in sparring. And there's been rumors that he had a panic attack in the locker room before the fight. And these are reasons why AJ is looking the way he is. And, you know, there's a lot of visuals. People are going, like, why is AJ's eyes so glazed? He's, like, looking around and so strange acting in this fight. And when he gets knocked down, um, you know, he's just – he's he seems aloof. He seems – it's just not your typical reaction to knockdowns. So according to Eddie Hearn, none of the knockdown stuff, that he knows. He hasn't been there for every sparring, but everything – that he's heard is that nothing happened in sparring that would equate to AJ was severely damaged going into this fight. Take that for what it is. He also said that there was no panic attack and that it came from a Tyson Fury's dad's parody account that rumor of a panic attack I've, you know, kicked around with some people and I've, I've heard the panic attack thing is nonsense. It's not true. Um, so there's that the, the sparring one I find way more believable because only because this, uh, AJ was, was sporting really nasty marks on his face the week of the fight. And that doesn't come from nowhere. So, I mean, was he knocked out cold in sparring? Was he hurt in sparring? He might have been. I mean, look, he's got heavyweight sparring partners. There's not a lot of them, um, so it's it's definitely possible that he got he got clipped and put down on the ground or or, or banged up pretty much. I think the thing that's interesting, the most thing, I've, the thing I found most interesting from Eddie, um, that wasn't f- 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 didn't feel like spin, was him saying that AJ doesn't remember the third round against Andy Ruiz. And the reason I find that fascinating is because I don't think we're taking into account really how hurt he was. You know, surprise and, you know, Laze and all that, fa- all that stuff. He was legitimately hurt badly in this fight. And I think that's just something that people got to come to grips with that. And it may seem obvious because he was put on the canvas, but I'm talking about like he was badly, badly. His brain was rattled badly in this fight. And and you knew that watching that fight where he's where he is saying to his corner, like, what happened? What shot was it? And I'm telling you, he asked his corner what shot he was hit with for for three rounds after it happened. So I found that the most interesting thing. I'm going to watch the rest of it, but that was the thing I found most interesting about the uh, the Eddie Hearn Chris Mannix interview with uh, DAZN. If you guys have a DeZone account, it's up there. They got the full half hour or so up there. Um, <coughs> let me get you this before we get out of here. We're gonna do. I got a chance to speak with Saul Rodriguez, who's gonna be fighting in about three weeks' time. He is going to be fighting. I think June 28th is his next bout. Yes, he is going to be fighting. Let me get this up for you. Man, my phone is blowing up right now. Friday, June 28th, he will be fighting on ESPN Plus. Saul Rodriguez, he is going to be taking on Miguel Gonzalez. And Saul Rodriguez is just a powerhouse hitter, man. He is a complete, complete badass. Um, fu- By the way, freaking hilarious Twitter account. Team underscore Nino is his uh, Twitter account. Team underscore N-E-N-O. Team Nino is his his Instagram account. And he is, first of all, he's a, he's a very engaging dude. He's super hilarious. He's got just an un, unbelievable uh, set of power in him. And, you know, we talked about his plan to be a lot more active this year that he is at the spot right now where they are really really trying to ramp up his work he has he has uh you know he had a bit of a promotional dispute so now he is on path he's he's got a good management team with him and he's going to be on top rank and so all that stuff considered he has a lot of big plans upcoming in his career so with uh with him man he's uh he's trying to get that all underway so he uh, he fights over – he trades over at Sweatbox in, um, in Davie. We were there a couple of weeks ago and taping some interviews at the gym and stuff like that. So we got a chance to talk to Saul Rodriguez, and here's our conversation. All right, very excited to be joined by our next guest. We roll on here on Fighters Fury. Saul Rodriguez is joining us here. Thanks for the time, man. Really appreciate it.
1: Appreciate you. Thank you.
0: I just saw you recently on social media. You got to meet. You said one of your favorite fighters was James uh, James Tony. And uh, what was he saying to you? Was he not believing your age? What the hell was going on in that clip? Yeah,
1: he didn't believe my age. And then I, I was telling him my record and my knockouts, and he was like, "Dang!" He's like, "He's like this kid. He, he looks like he's 16 years old. He's 26, and he has 17 knockouts." He he was just amazed, and uh, just at him treating me like that, like uh, he was he was pretty cool, and it, it just it was um. I, I was happy just because I, I really do watch his highlights. And I was telling him that I watch his highlights and that I look up to him and I try to, like, uh, pick up things from him. And, and he was just – he was happy to meet me too.
0: Boxing is a rabbit hole. Like, yeah. these days, that's, it's always fun on YouTube. Like, you fall down the wormhole seeing people's highlights and stuff like that. Is there, who, who are some of your favorite guys like if, on the on the YouTube playlist for you of, of guys you like to go to and, and just see them work?
1: I like uh, Julio Cesar Chavez, uh, Teo Trinidad, Mike Tyson, James Toney, Pernell Whitaker, uh, Guillermo Rigondeau is also one of my favorites. Uh, I, I like knockouts, but I also like uh, defensive fight type fighters, too.
0: But you, you, you're a power puncher, man. Like, you mm. go in there and you inflict damage, so is that one of those things where... Does that do you feel like you have that 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 covered on you because you know how to do that and you just want to better yourself or are you just fascinated by you know making yourself more well-rounded why do you think that is that you like watching the defensive guys
1: I like watching the defensive guys something like James Tony he's defense he was defensive but he also got knockouts so that's what I like I like to see the art of boxing but I like to see the see them inflict like um pain on somebody I want to see blood and I want to see knockouts like the entertainment part. I'm still a fan of boxing, even though I box. I'm a fan of boxing. I like watching boxing. So when, whenever I fight, I, I want to be enter- entertaining and and to have people that are not boxing fans like to watch boxing. Because when they go, they want they want to see entertainment. They want to see blood. They want to yeah. see somebody get knocked out. And that's what I like to see. I, I don't really like to watch dis- distance fights. I want to see. I want to see. Uh, no, make more pleasing, yeah. man. Like it's yeah. it's
0: one of those things where they're like, oh, this guy this guy comes for action and he's going to bring in a lot of things that we want to see and and it's one of those things too. Like you, people are conscious of it, you know. Like if the if we're talking about the Deontay Wilder knockout, and it was everywhere, and it just is what it is. People like seeing, you know, guys get flatlined out there on the canvas. It does make you more pleasing to the fans. Um, is that something you're conscious of? I mean, it's not something you ever have a problem with because you do put away a lot of your opponents, um, but you realize like that is the thing that uh, that is attractive in the sport. Yeah, I always
1: know. Even even when you win by decision. Um, people congratulate you, but it's not the same congratulations than when you win by knockout. When you win by decision, they're like, oh, congratulations. But if you win by knockout, they're like, oh, man, that was that was crazy. That was good. It feels like you, it's more satisfying always to win by knockout. So, it, it, like, it's, um, it's always good to get some rounds in and it's a good experience, but it's always more satisfying to myself to to win by knockout, to, like, to finish, to finish the job right.
0: Plus, you don't have to, in that case, you don't have to do these crazy judges either. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, a, yeah. Sometimes we're all watching yeah. this. We're like, well, "What is? You've, th- you've. I don't think you've been in that position. You're undefeated. You, mm-hmm. you have a draw on your record.
1: Yeah, a draw. Yeah, but it, no, no. It was, um, it was a headbutt. My oh, opponent oh, yeah, got, about, yeah. So it was, uh, the second round. So they, um. They they can't they can't judge a fight if they don't pass the fourth round, so it was, uh, it was a technical draw.
0: So if we're trying to talk uh, as far as what you want to get done, you're much more active now. You've been you've been you know getting some get some more reps in the ring, which is great to see you in action more. Is that something you want to keep up? You want to keep up that kind of a pace this year? How much do you see yourself being in the ring this year?
1: Um, hopefully, I already fought one time this year. That I'm gonna fight one more, and uh, I'm gonna fight June 28th. I want to fight hopefully September. If possible, like uh, yeah, September, and then hopefully one more by the end of the year. So hopefully so two yeah, more.
0: You're, so you're looking at so, a four a four fight year. Right yeah,
1: hopefully. Yeah, that's what I'm looking. And that's that, what I'm looking
0: for. Is that just a feeling? Like you, are you? Do you feel like you're you're making up because you did have a little of a layoff there? Like do you, you do you always want to be that active, or do you feel like I just I have to be because you have some catch up to do?
1: Kind of. I have catch up to do, but um, I mean, I'm willing to sacrifice my time right now. Uh, my whole life is dedicated to boxing, so. Uh, i'm just staying in the gym I, I don't plan on doing nothing else other than just training and right when i'm done fighting i, w- I want to be back in the gym and just focusing on my craft and and uh getting ready for the next one
0: what are the things in the gym right now you're you're proudest that you're you're picking up that you're learning the most
1: just my my defense and um foot that's that's mainly what we've been working on the most
0: and it's it's a thing where you feel like there's been a lot of growth over the last couple of months. Like that's yeah,
1: that's what we've been focusing on. Cause the power goal is gonna be there, but just um to develop into the next level type um like a fighters like world, world championship level. I need to better like what I have my weaknesses, which I, I feel sometimes could be my my defense, cause I, I'm I try to focus so much on offense. So I'm trying to better my defense and my footwork, which is also defense.
0: Is it one of those things with the with the sport of boxing, there's a lot of things that can be out of your hands because you know, you're trying to go up rankings and you're trying to find the right matchups and all that stuff and timing. Um, when you sit back as a fan of the sport like you said you are, do you see and envision yourself with the with the tops amongst the sport and feel like I can get that guy. That guy who's on in the main event, I feel like I hang, I, 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 I see things that I can do to take that guy out. Is that is that something you envision a lot?
1: Yeah, of course. That uh, just being a fighter myself. Uh, just being a fighter, I see myself beating beating, and knocking out uh, champions in my weight class. I, that's, why, that's why I do this, and I feel like I'm, I'm one of the best, and I want to prove that I'm the best. So uh, that's why I want to fight the best fighters out there to, to show that I'm, I'm one of the best fighters out there.
0: Well, so we appreciate the time, man. We're looking forward to your next one. It sounds like we're going to have a busy year watching you, which is going to be pretty outstanding. Thanks for the time, man. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate you. Thanks again to Sal for the time, man. Really enjoy the conversation. Looking forward to watching him June 28th on ESPN+. Plus. So you guys can check that out, out again. You can follow him on Instagram at team underscore Nino and see him there. Good dude. And looking forward to watching his fight. That's our podcast for today, everybody. We will talk to you again next week.